Scripture lesson this morning is actually two. It's, it comes, the first one will be Matthew 28, 16 through 20, and it is the account of the Great Commission, and we'll be going over to Acts 2, 42 through 47, which is an account of the beginning of the first church. Matthew. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and in the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And over to Acts 2.42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. The word of the Lord. Well, it is kickoff Sunday, and I thought for kickoff Sunday we'd do something a little different. Um, I am going to today have a little bit of a team huddle here, and I'm going to act as the coach, and I want to talk a little bit about how we're doing and where we're going. Uh, does that sound all right to everybody? And I really do see myself as a coach. There was a time when I think a lot of ministry happened where the, the idea of a church is we would pay staff to do ministry. And I think those days are over. I think ministry happens when we all see ourselves as part of the church and part of the team. And I see my job as being the coach. I bring some lessons. I bring some teaching. I try to give us some biblical principles. Um, but it's really this group that plays the game. And so today I want to talk about what game we're playing and how we're doing and what I think our game plan for the future needs to be. So first, I'm going to take you to training camp. And I want to talk about what it is that we're doing when we gather here as a church. Okay. So, everybody can see, right? We could. So what is it that we do as a church? What is it that we're actually playing? What's the game? How do we keep score? Well, I think these two passages uh, in Matthew and in Acts lay out for me what we do as a church. I think we play offense and we play defense, and I think they're both important and actually related to each other. I think Matthew 28, when Jesus gives us this thing called the Great Commission, is really the offense. It's what we do. It's how we score. And so I'm going to start there. 
Jesus says uh, he has all authority because all authority has been given to him. Why? Because of the cross. And so we're assuming the cross. We're assuming the gospel story. We're assuming what Christ has already done. And maybe we shouldn't assume that. But that's the starting point of everything that the church is uh, always. And then what does Jesus say? He says, go therefore. The first thing that a church does, the first part of the offense, is that we go. We go. That church isn't about coming. Church isn't about bringing people. Church is primarily about going. And in fact, it, it could be read as a command. And most translations say, go therefore, like it's a command. But actually, that, that word in the Greek could actually mean something like, as you're going, in your going, while you go. So not just this sense that uh, you're supposed to go out, but, but also this sense wherever you go. Wherever you are this week, wherever Tuesday afternoon takes you, church, you go. And in your going, you're supposed to do something. And what is that something? You're supposed to make disciples. Now, we, we've got to broaden our understanding of what a disciple was. Okay? Because we tend to think that a disciple is someone who knows things. Okay? When we say disciple, we typically think intellectually. We know what the teacher is trying to teach us. Okay? The problem with that is that the devil knows way more about God than we ever would, and I wouldn't call the devil a disciple, right? Knowing doesn't necessarily mean being a disciple. There is a knowing component, but to be a disciple is actually to follow the model, to try to look like your rabbi, your teacher, okay? And in the first century, you had to go through all these different levels. First of all, you learned the books of, books of Moses, the first five books of the Bible, then you learned most of the rest of the Old Testament, and then you had to learn what all these different rabbis sort of said about it. And if you weren't good enough along the way, you would just kind of stop at a certain point and then you would go back and do whatever normally your father did. So when we have the disciples of Jesus and they're fishermen, it means they weren't good enough to make it all the way to real discipleship school. Okay, but a disciple, what they would do is eventually you got to the point where you were the elite of the elite and you would follow a rabbi. And you would try to do everything that you could to be like the rabbi. It wasn't just about knowing what the rabbi, you tried to copy, you tried to dress like the rabbi. You tried to eat like the rabbi. There's even stories in, the Jewish, in, uh, in Jewish tradition of, of disciples sneaking into the rabbi's bedroom so that they knew everything about how the rabbi did what he did, okay? Uh, now that's weird, right? But, it, but it, it's an extreme version of what a disciple really was, which is a copier. A disciple is someone who wants to live and to be like their rabbi, okay? Disciple doesn't mean to know what the rabbi knows. It meant to be like your rabbi. So when we talk about Jesus as rabbi and we're disciples, it's not that we know what Jesus said. That's like so baseline. Yeah, you got to know what he said because you want to actually be like him. And there was even a blessing in the first century that, uh, of, a, of a disciple, what you would say is, May you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. In other words, may you follow so closely behind your rabbi that when he walks down the road, the dust he kicks up gets onto you. May you be that close to your rabbi. So when Jesus says, go make disciples, he's not talking about just teaching. He's talking about make people that are trying to be like me. Make people who are trying to live their lives according to who I am. Not just what I said, but who I am baptizing them. This word baptize was um, 
The word baptized means to drench, to inundate. Uh, most of the times the word baptized is used before the Christians use it, it's used of shipwrecks, that they are totally consumed. They're totally baptized by the sea. And believe it or not, it's used of drunkenness, that you are so inundated with alcohol that you're baptized. So when, when Jesus is using this term, when the Christians are using this term baptized, it is a loaded term. It means to be totally filled, totally overwhelmed by the Spirit. It means to be, the symbol was that you died in baptism and you came back to life in Jesus. So the goal is to go to make disciples, people who are trying to be like Jesus, baptizing them, which means bringing them to new life. It means we don't go out as a church and try to take people from other churches. It means we're trying to find people, we're trying to go out and find people who don't know Jesus, help them find Jesus, and help them join us in this journey of being disciples, trying to be like Jesus. Teaching them. There is a teaching component. How are you going to be like Jesus if you don't know about Jesus? How are you going to be like Jesus if you don't know what he said and what he taught? And so there is most definitely a teaching component, but the teaching always leads to life transformation. Okay, this is the offense. This is how we keep score. Okay, and we in the church have had, uh, I think, sometimes some poor ways of keeping score, like attendance or offering. Jesus never said, go out and collect an offering. He never said to go out and get people in the pews. He said to make disciples, which means we can have plenty of people in here, but if we're not actually making disciples, we're not doing what Jesus said to do, and we're losing on the scoreboard that counts. Now, those other things may be important because they may be good symbols of what we're supposed to do, but not always. This is our offense. Now, to pull that off, we, we, we go to the book of Acts now in Acts chapter 2, and we find the early church right after Pentecost, and we find this really neat description of what life was like for those early Christians. And I think this is the defense. This is how you pull things together, that there is an enemy actively trying to stop us from doing these things. And that if we are going to be effective as a team, we better pull together some of this defensive strategy. We already talked about one, right? They gather around the apostles' teachings, that there's language to this faith. There's stories to this faith. There's tradition. And so when they got together, like we're doing now, they talked about it. They talked about the teachings of Jesus. They talked about what the apostles were saying. Because there is something to transforming your mind to be able to transform your life. There is a mind part of being a disciple. They gathered for fellowship. Now, um, they shared their lives together. Okay? It's really pretty simple. They spent time together. They sat around and talked. They laughed. They joked. Okay? Part of it was teaching. Part of it was just fun. was just gathering. They gathered for the breaking of bread. Now, I think pretty clearly this is a reference to communion, but, but I don't think it's 100% a reference to communion. To break bread with someone is a more detailed description of how they had fellowship. They shared meals together. And in those days, when you shared a meal with someone, you accepted them. You loved and you cared for them. And Jesus got in trouble a lot for the people that he ate, broke bread with, for the people that he ate at table with. But when they describe these early Christians, how does Luke describe them? Fellowship, the breaking of bread. They came together, they ate. See, there's a biblical reason why we have all these meals after church. We should be eating together. 
We should be potlucking together. If this was Presbyterians, they would say potlucking. They said breaking bread. Okay? They gathered for, it doesn't say prayer. It doesn't say prayers. In the book of Acts, it says the prayers. The prayers. So these aren't just any prayers. Okay? For a Jewish person, when they were talking about the prayers, they're talking about the Psalms. They're talking about the scriptures. They're talking about the tradition. They're talking about the liturgy. This is talking about worship. Okay, so they would gather together, they would have teaching, they would have fellowship, they would eat together, they would worship together. Why? Because it's all part of anchoring them in the story and making them disciples. Part of how you be a disciple. The the word saint, the word saint, holy one, is almost never used in the New Testament in the singular. You don't hear people referred to as a saint. You hear the saints, like we're all saints together. And then there's this bit of giving that they shared with one another, that those who had in need, and they had things in common. Now, in that day, in the very early church, there were people coming to know Jesus. And if once you did that, a lot of times you were divorced. A lot of times you would lose your job. Okay? And so the early church had to do that. They had to come together and sort of commune. I don't think this is trying to argue for that kind of commune sharing of everything. But just this material caring for one another. That's why we have offerings. That's why we have book sales. That's why we have rummage sales. Because we have extra stuff. Get it to the people who need it. Okay? And uh, that that was an important part of how the church cared for one another, the defense. Okay? Because if you were worried about where your meal was going to come from, it's really hard to go out and make disciples. And so the church had offense, it had defense. I like to use the words ministry for this part, for the defense. Ministry, what's happened in here. Okay? And mission for the offense, what goes on out there. Now, the problem we have is we have used the word mission to describe supporting missionaries in other countries. And we have sort of lost this idea that mission is everywhere. Uh, But I think that's changing, don't you? I mean, it used to be you'd go to Africa to be in another culture, but I can take you downtown Newcastle and show you other culture that you're not used to, right? You go to Walmart at 2 in the morning, it is a different culture than you're used to, okay? The, the world is right outside these doors, okay? And I think good offense and good defense go together, okay, just like football, okay? I think the, the, the more together we are, the better we're going to be at going on offense, Okay? And the more we're going out, the more we're going to be pushed together because we need each other. This is, our tra- this is training camp now. This is what I think the church is supposed to be. We're supposed to be on offense and on defense. So here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to now do a little bit of a scouting report about the world in which we're trying to do this right now and why I think it's a challenge And then we're going to do a little bit of film room to talk about how we're doing at that. So, are we ready? Somebody asked me if I was going to be okay moving this. I carried it down from the youth room. So, this is not bad at all. So, scouting report. Okay? Here's my question. We're doing our offense. We're playing our defense. What are we up against right now? in the world that we're living in. And we could talk about this for a long time, but I want to bring up just a couple points. Number one, we are playing an away game. Some of you can remember the days when nothing else was open on Sunday. Okay? Where the question wasn't, if you go to church, the question was where you go to church. 
And uh, I read an article about how when JFK was getting ready, was, was running for president, there was this, could we elect a Catholic president, right? It wasn't just Christian, it was primarily Protestant, right? That, that is over, okay? You might as well know it. That is not the world we live in anymore. It is now an away game, okay? The crowds are not cheering for us to be successful anymore, Okay? The world is not looking as if we have the home field. And, and any team that plays an away game, you have to be more disciplined. You have to be more prepared. You have to be more together because you're fighting an uphill battle. There's a home field advantage, and we don't have it anymore. We did in this culture. We don't anymore. There's no pressure to go to church. Okay? How many of you remember if you skipped church, but you wanted to go out to lunch, you had to get dressed up so people thought you went to church because you didn't want to admit that, that you didn't go to church, right? None of that, that pressure is not there anymore at all, okay? And if you don't think it hurts church attendance, okay, if this church was 20 years ago, there'd be 20 people here that aren't here today because they felt pressure to do so, and now they don't feel any pressure, okay? This is an away game, and the game has changed. The world has changed, okay? Uh, I don't even think I have to defend that. How much has the world changed around us? And I don't think you all, you all may not know, you're in western Pennsylvania, okay, which has changed less, okay? It's like hanging behind the rest of the world, okay? If you go to big cities, you go to a lot of other parts of the country or the world, the world has dramatically changed. Now, what that tells me is whatever worked to get us here will not work to get us there. Almost certainly, whatever we've been as a church to get to this point will not help us get to the next point, there may be lessons from it. There may be things that we need to adapt. But, but the world is so different that all churches are in this place where we're needing to fundamentally rethink what it means to be church and how we do this stuff. Because the game has changed and the world is different, I think results take time. Okay? I think there's a lag between sowing and reaping today. Okay? I think you can be a really great church, and it still takes a while for people to find that. Okay, where it used to be, if you, if you got stuff going, you'd get results a little bit quicker, not in this world. Now, I think anything we try, anything we do, there's going to be what we do, and then the results come much later, and there's a delay. Stuff takes time. And so we can't be in a year where we want to be as a church. We're going to have to look for, more forward. And I think in this world that we live in, adaptability is going to be key. Okay? Adaptability is going to be key. Okay? The businesses that are rigid aren't going to stick around. Okay? The companies that can't change, that have to stay with their models, they're not going to be able to adapt in this world. It's too fast. The world is too fast now. It's changing too quickly. And so the question is adaptability. Um, the organizations, the churches that are going to make it are the churches that are adaptable, that know who they are enough, that they can know what they're about, their purpose, but then a lot of the ways that they do stuff, they're able to be flexible about and try new things. Scouting reports. This is the world I think we're doing church in. So let's go to the tape now. What I'm calling the film room. And in the film room, every week the Steelers are going to take a look at how they're playing. They're going to put on the tape and see how are we doing as a church. And this is where I think we are as a church. Um, these are a couple things I want to just point out. Film room. Number one, we have some new players kind of neat before I got here that a whole bunch of new people and a whole bunch of new faces showed up very suddenly. And uh, that's really important for a team. Okay, teams get stagnant if you have all the same players. 
Okay, and we've all seen that in sports where you have teams that keep the same players year after year after year and don't, don't get new players. You stagnate. It's pretty exciting that we have some new players. Okay? Uh, I think we in this church have some very good people. Okay? Um, there are churches, all kinds of churches say that they're nice. Have you ever been in these churches? And what they mean is we're nice to us. <laughs> um, I think we have a church that's genuinely nice and genuinely good people that are fun to be around and good to laugh with. And uh, it's a strength of ours. I think we have a church that has a future focus. Okay, Um, We're trying to decide. There's a a desire to want to know who we're going to be in the future. Uh, Kind of fun for me, when I pitched this idea of the future church symposium, which we did in the spring... I said, I want to, part of what I wanted to do there was position us as a church to be a, like if we're going to be the host of the Future Church Symposium, we better be thinking about the future of the church, right? And uh, it's been great to see how many great conversations have been coming about who we are and what we want to be and what we want to do. And uh, that's valuable. I think we're a church that values learning. Um, not everybody here was at Sunday school, but a big chunk of who's here now was here earlier at Sunday school. Uh, there's a desire for to go deeper, to learn the things of God. And uh, that, that is a good mark of people, I think. I think one of the strengths to build on as a church, one of the things, I, when I look at the film room about this church, I'm really amazed by the wisdom that this church has had um, financially in taking care of its building. I know a lot of churches that are in trouble just because they haven't taken care of their building. And build church buildings, you look at taking care of a church building. If you get behind on the work at a church building, okay, it's like having a pet alligator. And you're just feeding it, feeding it, feeding it, feeding it. This church has been wise about that. We have uh, some flexibility to be able to try some new things because of wisdom of previous leadership. So here's the question for us, I think. Are we adaptable? And I think in a lot of ways we are. Um, are we able to think through and to think what, what might be new and to try on some new behaviors or new things? And, and I think we are, um, but I guess maybe we'll see, right? So let me end with a game plan. The game plan is here's where we go from here. And, and I don't know everything about the game plan, but I, I want to point us to a couple things for the future as we're kicking off this new season in our church. Number one, I think we should talk about discerning next steps. There was a time, how many of you have done long-term planning? You know what I mean? Where are we going to be in 10, 20 years? I'm convinced that that can be a good discipline. You want to, you want to think out. But I'm convinced anything after about two years, you're guessing. And in the world that's, that's changing so much, that's very difficult. The future is in discerning next steps. I talk about this, that the, God's word is a light to my feet and a lamp to my path, right? That's not a lot of light. That's like right here. And then if I take a step, I can see the next thing. And if I take a step, I can see the next thing. I, I wish I could tell you what our next steps are as a church, but I think it's going to be a lot of little steps and a lot of figuring it out and a lot of talking to each other and praying with, for, with each other. Because the, new, the question isn't, What do I plan? What should we decide to do? The question is, God, what are you up to? And how do I get on board with what you're doing? So I think discerning next steps. I think building on strengths. Then we need to build on strengths as a church. I think the strengths of this church, if I had to say it, we're very good on defense. 
Okay, this is a very strong defensive church. We've got good community. And, uh, but I think we could get even better at defense. I think we could have even deeper community. I think we could have even stronger relationships if we worked on it. The area where I think we can grow the most is more offense. More offense. How do we go more? How do we make more disciples? How do we love our community more? And I'm convinced that part of that is not offense that's going to come from a committee and not offense that's going to come from a session, but it's going to be each and every person in here. You have gifts. You have abilities. You have passions. You have opportunities. If you're waiting for a committee to start a ministry that fits you, you're prepared to be waiting for a long time. Okay? I think the future will not be session and committees telling you about ministry opportunities, but it'll be more like the crochet class. It'll be more like things that people want to do and feel passionate about, and they come to the church and say, I want to try this. I have a heart for this. And the church does those things. So what is your mission? What is your ministry? And that's what I mean by this last phrase. I'll carry the ball. For the future of this church, for us to play as a team, everybody's got to do their part. And you've got a part to play. And you've got something that God has specifically gifted you to do in this church. And at some point during this next year, the ball is going to be handed to you. The ball is going to be handed, it's going to be yours, and you're going to have to take it and do what you need to, and then somebody else is going to be carrying it. But your attitude and my attitude in this church has got to be, I'll carry the ball. Whatever my part is, I'll do it. God, whatever you out for me, I'll do it. I'll carry the ball. Can everybody say that? I'll carry the ball. Maybe with a little bit of enthusiasm. I'll carry the ball. Okay. If something needs done around the church, I'll carry the ball. Something needs done in the world, I'll carry the ball. If someone needs to see the love of Jesus, if God calls on you to tell your story to somebody else, if it comes time to give, to sacrifice, that's got to be our attitude as a church. It's got to be our attitude as a church. And if that's the attitude, I think you're going to see an improved defense. I think you're going to see a much stronger offense. And I am so excited that God has me here and has you here because I think God has been up to something. And that we haven't even seen a glimpse of what it is yet. But what's it going to take? I'll carry the ball. So here's what we're going to do. At the end of the, at the, end of the service, I, I've got these footballs. And I want you to put them somewhere important and say, I'll carry the ball, Northminster, 2019-2020. I'll carry the ball. I think my wife, who was all gimpy, but cut out all these footballs for me in her state. Okay? And, and here's what else is going to happen. At the end of the service, I'm going to ask uh, the session members who are willing to come to the back with me. And the session of this church, the, the elected leadership of this church, is going to help greet at the doors. And they're going to say thank you for being a part of this church. And they're going to hand out these footballs. Uh, and uh, thank you for doing your part as a church. And I hope that those will find themselves to somewhere in your house uh, that you will see them and you will remember your commitment here today. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this church, for the way you've been showing up. Lord, I thank you for the plans that you have laid out for us. Help us to live into them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.